Father, we are recipients of your love. We, uh, we stand in the place of those who have been loved, and because we've been loved, we've been changed. We thank you for the impact of your love on us. thank you for the strength of it and the depth of it and the width of it and that nothing can separate us from your love. And God, I pray that we would reflect your love in our families and in this fellowship. I pray as we gather, Lord, that you would love us through one another. We make ourselves open to that this morning. We open ourselves to the love of God as you want to express it to others here. We come this morning, Lord, with a variety of needs and conditions and and our hearts are in different places. So, Lord, we ask that you would, as you do, I mean, you're like the expert. We ask that you would meet us where we are. And again, today, that we would experience your love, that you would love us and Release us, impel us to love one another. Father, we pray together this morning as our Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for being here this morning. And I'm going to read one of, I don't know, it's, let's call it part of Gateway's Constitution. So this is one of the most important passages to us as a body, if you can say such a thing, in the entire Bible. We're going to read this morning from Acts chapter 2. This is a glimpse, this is a snapshot of the very first group of Christians, how they were acting after Jesus was resurrected and uh, what was going on with the body. So this is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to look. If it's on your phone, Acts 2, 42 through 47. So it's at the end of the second chapter of Acts, and Acts is one of those little books toward the back. If you're like it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, go north. If you're in Romans, go south. Acts chapter 2, and if you would, let's do some spiritual aerobics. Yes! Let's stand out of reverence for God's word. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They, the first group of Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You may be seated. All right, this is a group of people 
within whom there is no sign of meandering. Let me repeat. This is a group of people within whom there is no sign of meandering. Remember, if you've been here for the last two weeks, we've been saying we don't want to live meanderingly. And to meander is to move idly, aimlessly, without fixed direction. To wander around and not know where you're going. We want, instead, to live missionally. We don't want to live meanderingly. We want to live missionally. Now, as we look at the Acts church, let's note that the book of Acts is not written prescriptively. It's written descriptively. In other words, we aren't commanded to go sell all that we have and to hold everything in common. We aren't commanded to meet together every day for worship and then go to one another's homes to break bread together. But neither were they commanded to do this. All of this activity for them was just a natural follow-on to what had happened to them in their lives. They had been radically changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ as individuals and as a group. They wanted, they needed to respond to that, to interact with that. They needed to nurture that internal revolution. They wanted and needed to excavate space in their lives for God to move and to live. They wanted and needed to see the character and values of Jesus represented through their lives, with the result being what's described for us in Acts chapter 2. And as we know, this was a very appropriate way for them to respond to the teaching of Jesus. In fact, this may have been the most appropriate way for them to have responded to Jesus, but we'll get back to that in a minute. I just want to real quickly dig into this text for just a second and make note of a couple of things. Number one, that word devoted. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and if you look that up in a Greek-English dictionary, you find a full scope of that word, a fuller definition of that word is, is this. It can be translated to occupy oneself diligently with, to pay persistent attention to, to be devoted to, to hold fast to, to persevere in, to cling to. So what is it that they were clinging to? What were they persevering in? What is it that they were being diligent to hold on to, to press into, to occupy themselves with? Well, first of all, the apostles' teaching. So clearly, they were gathering around the first followers of Jesus, those who had been with them, who'd seen him resurrected. Tell us some stories about Jesus. Tell us again about that... Tell us about that time where he saw that that woman at the well. What did he say when that rich guy came to him? Tell us again. You know, none of us are particularly rich, so tell it about that story again. Over and over, they were hearing the stories of Jesus, how Jesus interacted with others, what he did, the apostles' teaching, and what he told them to do. Look, don't be angry, because when you're angry, that's the same as murder. He said this to us a number of times. You heard it said, don't have sexual relationship with a, a woman who's not your wife. I tell you, don't even look at another, don't even think about another woman who's, who's not your wife. It was crazy, the stuff he taught us, but it's awesome. It changed our lives over and over. They're rehearsing. They're occupying themselves with the apostles' teaching. And then, of course, with the breaking of bread. And this probably literally means these daily times when they would go to one another's homes. Each time they broke bread together, these became times of remembering 
what Jesus had done and what he said. That last meal, Jesus said to them, hey, this bread, this is, this is like my body broken for you. This cup, this wine, this is like my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance to me. So when they would gather together in their homes, hey, pass the bread. Yes, remember as you break that, that's Jesus' body broken for us. Yeah, you're right. Constantly. And then they devoted themselves, of course, to prayer, hearing from God, talking to God, making that part of the regular rhythm of their lives. All of these things we can pretty much understand. But what's this other thing, this fellowship? Well, this translates the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia means, again, if we look it up in a Greek-English dictionary, it means association, a partnership, a close relationship, a fellowship, and the word that we use around here at Gateway, community. They devoted themselves to this. Now, when we say community, we don't mean the community of Stone Ridge or the community of Dulles South or the community of Northern Virginia or the community of bike riders. We mean the connection that's ours because of what Jesus Christ has done in us. They devoted themselves to their relationship with one another. They devoted themselves to loving one another, to encouraging one another, gathering with one another, confessing to one another. They participated in that. They diligently sought, they occupied themselves with that. They diligently occupied themselves with community. They paid attention to it. They held fast to it. Real quickly, some other important features of their lives, right? The apostles, it says, were doing amazing things among them. And this is just what Jesus said would happen. And then look at how they lived. It seems like they had a common purse. They had everything in common. And then when someone had need, they distributed as someone had need. I looked that phrase up, they had everything in common. I looked those, each of the words up in a Greek-English dictionary, looked at the whole syntax of it, and I found that what it really means is they had everything in common. And they gave to whoever had need. They also, remember, they met together regularly for worship in the temple area, and then they broke bread and up, they broke up into smaller groups, and they broke bread in, in one another's homes. So... As we said just a second ago, this whole lifestyle may have been, it may have been the most appropriate way for them to live if they wanted to respond to the teaching of Jesus. Let me explain. When I was little, I grew up in a religious home. I grew up in a Baptist home in South Carolina. I spent my early childhood in a really small town in South Carolina, eastern South Carolina. It was about 40 miles from Myrtle Beach. So those of you who uh, once in a while go to that part of the country, if you get off of 95 and get on one of those little back roads that takes you down to the coast and you wander through one of those dried up dead towns and you think, who in the world would live here? That's where I grew up. I grew up in one of those little churches that you pass on the side of the road and, and folks were pretty serious about their faith in Christ and it was an awesome way to grow up, an awesome place to grow up, honestly. But I grew up with the impression, I'm not necessarily telling you that anybody rehearse this with me or anybody trained me in this, but the impression I got anyway from my upbringing is that the essence of religion was about being good and knowing the Bible. So I thought, you know, it kind of boils down to don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go out with girls who do and know as much as you can about the Bible. And that was the essence of religion for me. And that's good stuff. The don't chew part, good stuff. (laughs) But that's not 
the heart of it. It's not even close, according to Jesus. Those of us who have developed in our hearts and minds a checklist of the things I'm supposed to do and the things I'm not supposed to do, if that becomes for us the heart of it, we missed the point. The heart of it, according to Jesus, is something entirely different. I want you to listen to what he said in John chapter 13, 34 and 35. We need to make sure we grab this. This is Jesus' words, not mine. So John 13, 34 and 35. Again, let's go old school. Stand out of reverence for God's word. A new command I give you. What is it? What new thing is he going to tell us? Take all of those scriptures that in the Old Testament they said, write it on a little thing and hang it from a tassel. I want you to write it 17 times, hang it around your belt, and then walk around with it and make sure you memorize all of it. No. That whole thing of giving 10% of everything, even down to the, the mint that you grow in your side yard, it's now 15%. That's the new command. No. Okay, here's the bottom line. I want to make sure that they know how Jewish you are. So take those festivals, all of them, we're going to just ramp them up to the next level. No. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You may be seated. Our religion is about loving one another. It's about being connected to others in ways that are healthy and mutually beneficial. Our religion is about being connected to others in ways that are healthy and mutually beneficial. That's what our religion is about. It's about being connected to others in ways that show the world what God is like. That's what our religion is about. It's about being connected to one another in ways that show the world what God is like. Our religion is about being in a love relationship with God and with others who know and love God and inviting those who are far from God into that relationship. That's what our religion is about. In other words, at Gateway, our mission is we exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. We exist for a purpose. We exist missionally. We exist with something in mind. We don't exist to make it from one day to the next. We don't exist to end up with the white picket fence. We exist to be used by God. And how is it that God uses us? He uses us to draw others who are far from him into authentic Christian community. That means that we have to be and build authentic Christian community. Because toward the end of his life, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said to them, a new command I give you. You know those big ten? Let's add one. Love one another. Here's the standard. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. And I want to encourage you this morning in the strongest possible terms to stop meandering and to join us in this mission. Okay, I want you to indulge me if you would. I want you to watch a video. This is a ten-plus minute video. It was filmed on the stage of a large church outside of Chicago. 
11 years ago, I think. What they did is they took someone's personal story and they turned it into a drama. And then they flashed it on stage for folks to see. So I want you to hear this guy's story. For those of you who are connected to Gateway and you're connected to God because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life, I want you to watch this video thinking of a neighbor or a friend or someone who's near, close, relationally, who's far from God. I also want you to think of yourself. For those of you who spiritually are not there yet, you're going to relate to a lot of what he says, and I I want you to think of yourself as you watch this. But uh, watch this video if you would. (sighs) I hate feeling out of place. But I read somewhere that there are always two roads that you can take. One of them is easy, and that, it being easy, is its only reward, so... You see those people back there? You know who I bet they're praying about? Me, yeah. (laughs) Name's Evan Powell, and I haven't gone to church much lately, not in a long time. In fact, it's been since, um, 95, 96. Man, I wouldn't have gone then, except that was the year that I met this woman at work. Her name was Carrie. And she was so beautiful. She had a great sense of humor, very intelligent. There was just one drawback. Want to go to church with me? (laughs) Seemed like it was a daily question, and my daily answer was no, I didn't. But I thought something might happen with Carrie, you know? I thought... I thought she might be the one. So every day my knees kept getting weaker, and then one day... Want to go to church with me? They buckled completely. <laughs> Soon I found myself standing in the lobby of a sanctuary, which I didn't even know sanctuaries had. Met a few people there. Carrie had lots of friends. Hi, you must be Carrie's friend. Oh, hi. Oh, I was under the impression you were Carrie's friend. No. Well, yeah, I am, but... I see what you mean. It's a funny man. Evan, this is Randy. Hi, Randy. Hi, I'm Sandra. I'm Carrie's friend. Oh, Randy just told me I was. (laughs) Sorry? (laughs) Carrie's friend. He just said you must be Carrie's friend. Stop it. Randy and Sandra are married. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. They're in my small group. Hi, small group. Small group of what? (laughs) Just get together. Small group of uh, chess players? Small group of yodelers? What? Hi, Evan. Hi. I'm Al. Hi, Al. Nice to meet you. This is Annie. Hi, Annie. How are you? We're part of Carrie's small group. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so funny. (laughs) I just kept laughing every time they said that. (laughs) I'm part of Carrie's small group. Small group of what? Small group of a lot of things, it turned out. Small group of cooks, of carpoolers, of phone callers, late at night to check and see how the whole family is doing. Small group of friends is what it was, basically. Actually, pretty substantial for something labeled small. What they didn't know is that I was a small group of one. And I liked it that way. Hey, Evan, we're having a Bible study. Oh, no, no thanks. I'm going bowling on Tuesday. Nope. Dinner? No. Music festival. No chance. Vintage car show. 
vintage car. This guy hit me right where it hurt. I hear you have a passion for a Nash Metropolitan. Oh. You gotta understand. A Nash. <laughs> Ever since I was a kid, I wanted a Nash. No, I Guess what? Little did I know. Eat your heart out. He has two. I have not only one, I've got two. Hey, wanna come over and tear them apart? <laughs> he had a 56 sunburst yellow and a 58 Mardi Gras red, my dream car. And Bubba Constable, as it turned out, was as classic as the cars. And uh, a great friend, which was good because I was about to need one. 1995. Josh was my little brother. Well, I say little, he was like 6'3", 245. <laughs> but he, uh, he loved to fish. He was out east, and uh, well, he, he hooked himself with a hook to the thumb. Had to go to the ER, have it taken out, it was no big deal. But somehow he caught this, this thing, this bacteria. It was very rare. It was pretty horrible. He was dead one month later. My little brother didn't believe in much of anything. Frankly, neither did I. But watching him die really opened my eyes. Or maybe it was something else. See, the funeral was about four hours away from Chicago. They all came. The small group. Now they were mourners. They came. Hey. We're really sorry. It's very impressive. Very real. Honest. <coughs> you know, they didn't have to do that. Well, uh, some time went on. <clears throat> Actually, some good things happened. God finally got my attention. I joined the small group officially. I became Christian. <laughs> Bubba baptized me, which, uh, <laughs> which scared him to death. <laughs> he has this phobia about water. <laughs> and I married Carrie. But you know, with jobs and stuff, uh, we ended up having to move went to California, dreaming of tans and romance, walks and surf. I guess that pretty much brings us up to speed. Evan? Yeah. Evan Paul? Hey, Papa. Hey, long time no <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> You know, you gotta let folks know when you're coming. Yeah. You know, look at you. You look great. I mean, you look really... You look good. Well, thank you. You too. Dude. <laughs> you know, I think I just lied to you for the first time. You look terrible. What? What's going on? Uh, well, <laughs> nothing. Uh, hey, hey, come on. 
This is Bubba you're talking to here. You can't bluff me. And I know, Bubba. I just, hey, how's Carrie? Where is she? she here? No, she's in California. So, what? I'm back here. Back here? Yeah, I got in a couple weeks ago. But she's back there. Yeah, this is not a hard concept, Bubba. Is it over? Well, we haven't thrown in the towel yet, but... Yeah, we may be down for the count. I have no idea. Hey, it's, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, small group. Still? Still, every Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Randy and Sanders still there? Oh, yeah. Some new folks, too. Nice folks. Hardly any of them bite. <laughs> Look, uh, Bubba. Okay, okay, I get it. You're not doing the church thing anymore, right? No, not really. Okay, that's good, because I'm not asking you to come to church. Okay, I'm asking you to come and see some friends, some family. Look, don't, don't do this alone. I don't, I don't know what we can do, but we're going to be there to help you with whatever's coming. So will he. A little after seven now. I don't feel as out of place as I thought I might. It's just without Carrie here, it's, I just still, I love her. And I haven't been listening to him much lately. But somehow, for now, I think he wants me here. How you doing? <laughs> we exist to be used by God to draw others into authentic Christian community. When we first started Gateway, and that was 19 years ago now, Easter of 98 was our official grand opening. In the months before the official opening of Gateway, one of the things that we did, and by we, I mean a very small group of us who had connected uh, together, and I mean primarily Diane and I and the boys, (laughs) one of the things that we did is surveyed neighborhoods in Northern Virginia. So I went to a neighborhood in Herndon, and I went to a neighborhood in Reston. I went to a couple of neighborhoods in Sterling. We didn't know exactly where we were going to end up. We went to several neighborhoods in Ashburn, a couple of neighborhoods in Centerville, and all of South Riding. South Riding had just under 500 homes at the time, and I knocked on every one of them. That's where I first met Dean and Althea Slami. That's where I first met Jonathan Edwards. Most of you don't remember Jonathan. He moved years ago to Charlotte, but I knocked on his door. His wife came to the door. She really wasn't interested in talking to me, but she said, my husband's probably going to want to talk to you. He's got some questions. So sometime later, I came and knocked on Jonathan's door. He opened the door. Hey, I've been waiting on you. I asked him a couple of my survey questions. He said, well, then I've got some questions. I said, okay. Well, tell me about Jesus. I said, all right, I've got this four-week study that we just investigate who Jesus is. Would you like to do that? He said, can I invite a friend? I said, sure. So he said, all right, let's do it. I didn't have a study, so I had to go. (laughs) I had to go make something up. 
So four weeks in a row, I met with Jonathan and with his buddy. His buddy was not interested at all, but Jonathan became a believer. And we baptized Jonathan. He's still walking with Christ today. I would knock on people's door and I would say, hey, they would open their door. And this was years ago, and Northern Virginians were a lot friendlier then than they are now. I'm telling you, if somebody came to my door and did this, I would shut the door on them. But I rang the doorbell, hi, flashing my best South Carolina toothy grin. I said, hi, my name's Ed Allen. I'm in the area to start a new church, not soliciting. I'm just looking to find out who lives here. I've got six questions. It'll take about five minutes. Do you have five minutes to talk? And a shockingly high percentage, you guys said, sure. I brought out my little clipboard, and I was actually tallying, taking notes. How long have you lived in Northern Virginia? What brought you here? What do you think we need most in Northern Virginia? And you would say things like better roads because at the time they were horrible and traffic was already getting bad. It's now infinitesimally worse. Sometimes you would say uh, more, more shopping because, you know, wherever we were in Northern Virginia at that point, there were no restaurants, there were no grocery stores. I ended to drive to Leesburg to go to a grocery store. Once in a while, somebody would say, a new church, and I would say brown noser, and then I would ask the next question. <laughs> if you were looking for a church to go to, what kinds of things would you look for? Oh, I don't know, and then they would give me a list of things. And then my final question was, why do you think most people in our area don't go to church? Invariably, you know what you guys did? Inver- I just asked, hear the question again, why do you think most people in our area don't go to church? And invariably, you started confessing. 75% of the time, what you said to me was, I know we should. We're just, you know, we're so busy, and, you know, we just moved here from California, and I just, I don't don't know. And so I would write, I don't know. One day I was in South Riding, and I was going through a series of townhomes, knocking on the doors. I liked townhomes because they were close together. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I also would often bring one of the boys with me mostly because I didn't want people to think I was some kind of wacko, and it was a joy bringing one of them because walking from house to house with them was something like... (laughs) So (laughs) this day, I was by myself and went left one townhome, walked to the next one, and the garage was open, and there was a young guy in it. So I walk up to the garage. Hey, what's up? I start my spiel. Hi, my name's Ed Allen, and I'm a pastor starting a church here surveying people and love to ask you six questions. You got, you got five minutes. Look, I don't even live here. Well, you're taking tools. <laughs> he laughed. He said, I know, this is my buddy. And he said, I could borrow some tools. And I said, well, can I ask you some questions? Hey, man, I'm not at all religious. So, you know, you might want to go next door. I said, honestly, you're exactly the person I want to talk to. What? I said, yeah, let me just ask you a couple of questions. You got five minutes? All right, sure. So you live in the area? Yeah, I live a couple miles down the road. Uh, How long have you lived in the area? What brought you to northern Virginia? What do you think we most need in our area? If you were looking for a church, what kind of things would you look for? You're not really looking. Okay, not really looking. Why do you think most people in our area don't go to church? I'm super busy. Can I be honest? Sure. Pointless. Better things to do on Sunday morning. Don't get it. I'm letting him ramble. I'm actually writing this stuff down. You know, I don't know why this happened. You know, I just got back from my grandfather's funeral in Mississippi. It was amazing. 
The people were there constantly. They were bringing meals, and they took out the trash. They cut her grass, cleaning up the house. The house was constantly full of people. It was cool. I'd like something like that. And I said, well, you don't get that without investing. That doesn't just come because you have a crisis. That comes because you devote yourself. And then when crisis comes, you get the payoff. The Apostle Paul says something like that. He was one of those apostles that they devoted themselves to. He says something like that in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I think there are two requirements to be in the kind of community that we need. Number one, you and I need to be connected to God through Jesus Christ. He enables this work in us. He does this in us. He gives as a gift to us in his work. He gives the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He makes it possible for something to happen between us that cannot happen otherwise. The second requirement is we participate. We make every effort to preserve and protect and keep the work that he does. We devote ourselves to fellowship. We devote ourselves to close relationship. We learn to be authentic Christian community. And then we get to watch God build that. So this morning, I've got a homework assignment for you and I. Two things. Number one, we started this two weeks ago. Let's do it again. Number one, first of all, I want you to ask yourself, this isn't rhetorical. I want you to ask yourself, are you in? Are you in with the mission that you've heard? Are you in with these kinds of connections? Are you in with making every effort toward having community in your life? Do you have the kind of connection with God through Jesus Christ that would enable these kinds of connections? And then, are you in with making the investment in authentic Christian community? Secondly, I'm going to presume, are you in with Gateway? For some of you, this is easy. Uh, You've been here for a while. Yes, you're in. So today, just say yes. And your own heart and mind confirm that. Is this still the place God wants you to be? Are you sure? So if you're sure, we need to feel the weight of you. We need you to connect to others. Don't dare leave here some Sunday morning and think, you know, nobody spoke to me. I'll guarantee you, if you spoke to them, they spoke back. But if you drifted to the sidelines and waited, they might not have. And you need it as well. If you're new... I think this is a really important exercise. And if you go to the back, to the blackboard out in the lobby, Terry Eagle will be there to sign you up for small groups because the aim 
of small groups as gateway is not that you would be a small group of yodelers or chess players, although we have some chess players here at Gateway, but that you would be a small group of people who are in healthy and mutually beneficial relationships with one another, who do life together. But also, back there with Terry, there are 25 brochures, so there's enough for several of you that will help you just contemplate becoming a member at Gateway, actually joining, being a partner here. So I want to encourage you, if you didn't take one of those two weeks ago, to go back there and take one and and work through some of the membership exercises. Actually do them. Ask yourselves the questions. Are you in? Second thing I want you to do for homework is I want you to take the right next step this week, maybe today, maybe this morning. I want you to take the right next step. For some of you, the right next step today is to take someone to lunch. It's not complicated. Build a connection. Or dinner, sometime in the next two weeks. You plan it. For some of you, it'll be sometime in the next month and a half because your schedule is so frenetic. That's okay. You'll do dinner with someone. For some of you, it's get in a small group. You haven't yet signed up. For some of you, you need to commit to making your small group a place of real connection and nurture. You need to stop the process of coming once a month and thinking, you know, there's not that much there. You need to make it a place where real connection happens. You need to do your part. We need to feel the weight of you. For some of you, you need to join a team at Gateway. You need to volunteer for something. That's what spiritual growth looks like, taking the right next step, whatever it is for you. Literally, take the right next step. For some of you, it's, hey, you want to go to lunch? I can't. We already have plans. All right, how about sometime in the next couple of weeks? I'd love to just get to know you. For some of us, that's scary. That's okay. Take the right next step. You know, what Jesus did to release this to you and I is almost impossible to imagine, isn't it? He humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, and then he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled for us. So this morning, we're going to participate in a mercy meal, a meal of grace and a meal of connection. And I want you to spend the next few minutes nurturing your connection with him and beginning the process of asking, are you in? We're going to do this morning a little differently, but before we begin this morning, I want us to enter a time of confession. Here's what happens. We go to God just secretly in our own hearts. None of us have to say anything out loud. We go to God secretly in our own hearts, and we tell him those places where we have violated our own conscience. And we tell him those places where we have departed from his best for us, where we have sinned. And sin are all of those things that we think and do and say in which we're trying to find our meaning and our pleasure apart from him. So we take those to him because he can clear all of that up. The Bible actually promises that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just from this past week, but the accumulated effect of it for our whole lives. So we're going to spend a few moments confessing this morning, but in particular, we want to confess around this. We want to confess those ways in which we've been meandering 
And in particular, we want to confess those ways in which we have not taken a deep enough dive in connecting with him and connecting with others who are connected with him. So so let's go to him in silence for just a moment. Let's close our eyes so that we can focus in and let's just confess to him. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and what we've left undone. We haven't loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We ask that you would have mercy and for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, that you would forgive us for our sin and cleanse us from unrighteousness. We receive this morning your mercy and your grace. And we recognize today the debt we owe. In the strong name of Christ our Lord we pray. And all God's people said. Let's try this little chorus with Nate. His other hands will spread the sky. His is the love that gives me life. His are the broken, the needy ones. He is the love. Let's go from the top, from the bursting. His are the hands that spread the sky. His is the love. Gives me life. Gives all the broke, the needy ones. He is the love. Do the verse, Nate. This is the place I've known. Here in the arms of what lies deeper than any. His are the hands of grown to trust. This is the place I've known. Here in the arms of one who loved farther than I could run. His are the hands of grown to trust. Okay, so for the meal this morning, as we break bread together, here's what I want you to do. We're not going to pass this morning. You're going to, as you feel led, you're going to move to one of these four places. Go to the person who's serving the bread first, and they're going to say to you, the body of Christ broken for you, because, first of all, it was, and secondly, that's what he told us to say. And then you're going to step over to the person who's doing the cup and they're going to say the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sin and you'll take it and drink let me pray and then you come as you feel led Jesus we remember you this morning I pray that you would be magnified in our heart that you'd get large 
that you would swell today as we take your body and your blood. And Lord, receive us. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. As you feel led, I want you to get up and go to one of these four places.